Speak to us clearly, Lord God. Let us not leave out of this place today without a mandate from you. So we avail ourselves. We open our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our souls to you. Father, please drop your word into us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last time we watched Elijah the prophet. Remember him? He's the one that had the great victories uh, with the Lord against those false prophets. Right? We watched him take a dive of fear by a threat of Jezebel. Remember her? Jezzy. This was curious because I asked, how could God's man be frightened by one lady with one threat? How in the world are you doing all this stuff causing fire to come down, causing rain to, to come out the sky, causing rain to stop? How can you be intimidated by one lady with one little bitty threat? But we also found out that that one lady with that little bitty threat, that she had the authority and power of the king of Israel. She had that power behind her because she was really the de facto ruler of Israel. She was really ruling the whole thing. Ahab was king, but Jezebel ran everything. We found out Ahab didn't do anything without running it past his wife first. While in normal familial uh, situations, a husband and a wife, uh, it's okay for a husband and wife to coordinate family issues, amen? Can you say amen? amen. So uh, Pastor Spencer is not saying that the man's word is the final word, right? Because you think your word is the final word, you may have a cast iron skillet upside your head. Right? Uh, we, we know that's not going to happen, but right, we were just, uh, I'm just joshing around. But in uh, a God-ordained role as leader of God's people, only one person was qualified, and that person was the king. But as we also know, Ahab did not faithfully follow God, now did he? Right, here you are trying to be the leader of it all, but you are not following God. How in the world are you going to expect someone else to follow you? So because there was a spiritual void there, and Ahab was not willing to take up that spiritual void, his wife came in and she filled it in. And when she filled it in, she filled it in with the wrong thing. Ahab. You know, he did not faithfully follow the Lord because he had other gods in his arsenal. Because he wanted to ensure his success at whatever price that it took. Right? If this is what it's going to take for me to be a success, then I will not only worship Yahweh, but I'm going to worship Baal. I'm going to worship the Asherah. Whole, I'm going to worship all these gods because I need as many in my arsenal as possible so I can be a success. 
Don't you know there are some people they will say and do anything just to get ahead in life? But every leader's model should be the same as what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego proclaimed to King Nebuchadnezzar. As the, uh, the king tried to get them to cave in to the pressure of worshiping a false god. Remember that? Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Daniel 3, verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Old Nebuchadnezzar, I, I, I love that, old Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that is a statement full of confidence, uh, in, not in Nebuchadnezzar, but in the Lord himself. Oh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, Daniel 3. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and we and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, verse 18, but if not, you see what their stance is. Uh, they're saying that God is able to deliver us. Can you say amen? God is able. Uh, and, but they said that if he does not, so there's always a chance that God will not deliver you. You hear what I'm saying? There's always a chance that you will pray and pray and pray before God to be delivered out of a situation, but somehow you will never find that freedom that you are looking for. It's always possible. But look what they said, verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, there it is, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden, the golden image that you have set up. So they said, I don't care if we're not delivered. I am still, I will still not bow a knee to those false gods because I know where my faithful bread is buttered and it is not with those fake and false gods. It is with the God of the universe. It is with the God that I serve. But we know, brothers and sisters, that that grand elixir of power, fame, and wealth has allured many men and women down a path of unfaithfulness which leads to great destruction spiritually, emotionally, and at times physically. Do you know by not following the Lord the right way that it can affect you physically? Well, we just had uh, the Lord's table, came to the Lord's table today, did we not? What did Paul say? There are some who came before and they partook of the Lord's table. And Paul said that today that some were ill and some had even died because they viewed it the wrong way. Their hearts were not right. Ahab, therefore, was unwilling to let any of those things go, so he insisted on following his wife instead of following the Lord. His wife worshipped false gods from the very beginning because that was how she was raised, because she was the daughter of the king of Sidon. This is why being equally yoked is so important in marriage. Ahab, why would you marry the daughter of, king, uh, of the king of Sidon when she and he and all of them worship other gods? Brothers and sisters, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be unequally yoked. 
in a relationship, whether it's marriage or whether it's business. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't cross that line. Yet even with all that, Miss Jezebel, Miss Jezzy, right, sent Elijah running in fear. Listen to this. That's something that you may not know. Right? We read in our passage all the way back, 1 Kings chapter 19, right? We read verse 3, then he was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. How long do you think it takes to get from where he was all the way down there? And you realize it took anywhere from four to eight days so Elijah and his servant, they ran for four to eight days away from Jezebel. And I tell you, that's scared, isn't it? That is, he, he was scared. And there, once he got there, when he hid in that cave, he realized that he was a flawed child of God. And he wanted to end it all. I had enough, he says. He wanted his life to come to an end. He therefore drifted deeper and deeper into a quagmire of depression. But we also realize, again, that this was not a foreign experience to us because we also run the risk of being overworked. Yes, we also run the risk of being overtaxed, that we too want to run and hide in a cave somewhere. We talked about that last time. Let's face it, though. Elijah, by the time he made it to the cave, he was totally exhausted. I don't know about you. It wouldn't take me four to eight days to get exhausted. Let me run around for about an hour and I'll be tired. But exhaustion, it makes you want to run and hide. Yet even though Elijah, he ran into a cave, uh, who knows that being in a cave is not sustainable? You are not going to be able to sustain, sustain yourself in a cave forever. Eventually, you got to come out. The world is not going to stop. It's not going to stop with its pressures. The world is not going to stop being a circus when you finish uh, moping around in your cave. And neither can we live long away from people that are supposed to be our brothers and sisters in the faith. And we can't live fully without the presence of the Lord. But Elijah said he was jealous. Remember that? I'm jealous for the Lord because I'm out here all by my lonesome. I'm doing it by myself, Elijah thought. God is too perfect, too wise, too sovereign uh, to leave uh, his, uh, this earth with no witnesses. But Elijah said he was jealous because the people were unfaithful. They were not obeying God's word. They were tearing down the church. They were killing the prophets. And I'm out here all by myself, God, doing everything all by myself. Nobody cares. God, do you even care? So a deep sense of loneliness can move us to be in that cave because at the end of the day, what's the use? 
What's the use in keep on pushing when nothing changes around us? Why do I uh, keep on praying when there is no movement? Surely there's certain victories, but then you just get tired. So how do we move out of this emotional state of exhaustion and feelings of loneliness? How do we get out of there? How do we move past it all? 1 Kings 19. The first act that we must achieve, we got to get out of the cave. The first act that we must achieve is getting out of the cave. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. Verse 11. And he said, go out, right? This is out of the cave and stand on the mount before Yahweh, or the Lord. Now, getting out of the cave is not our immediate idea. Because we want to shut ourselves up. We want to stay away from it all. In other words, once we are held up in seclusion, we don't want to leave until we think we are good and ready. Ain't nobody going to no, you're not going to tell me to leave. I'm good where I am. In fact, even the suggestion by someone of leaving our cave is met with a tongue full of fire and brimstone. But who told Elijah to get out of the cave? It was God. God directed him to get out of the cave. And it wasn't just uh, get out of the cave just to get some air and you'll feel better, was it? It wasn't just getting out of the cave for the sake of getting out of the cave because doing it that way is also a mistake. Because if you say come out and get a, a breath of fresh air, you're going to come out and find things just how you left them. You ever had a junky house before? Say Amen. Right, And then you come back home after being out, let's say, a day or two. And then, but you forgot your house was junky. Right? And you open that door, you say, oh, my God. I mean, what did you expect that was going to change? If you didn't clean up before you left, who's going to clean up while you're gone? That's why I always tell my wife when we go out of town, let's clean up before we leave. Because when you come back, right, the bed is made, all the laundry is done, you just come home and you plop on the bed, you're like, ah. But when you come home and your house is a mess, it's depressing. So if you decide to come out of this cave, God says, okay, it's time for you to get out of this cave. And you get out and you got the wrong eyeglasses on, then you're going to see things the way they were. And you're going to say, what a mess. What a mess. What a mess. So God told Elijah, get up and get out of the cave. As a kid, I was in third grade for the second time. Amen. I was so smart. They asked me to repeat third grade a second time. And there was a poem that we had to recite of our second time uh, 
third grade teacher. Elijah, Elijah, bless the Lord. Don't you know the days are bored? If you don't get up, you uh, scamp, there's going to be trouble in this here camp. God was telling Elijah, if you don't get up, you scamp, uh, there is going to be trouble in this here camp. Many times, a religious life is chocked full of going from one place to another without a real sense of purpose. In other words, the religion people sometimes follow is one full of action, but a scant relationship with Jesus. I know, uh, as an example, this is not true for all ladies, but I know a few ladies that happen to love to go shopping. This makes them feel better. And for some, they feel closer to the Lord, buying more shoes, <laughs> buying more dresses, and buying more stuff. Not for all, so ladies, don't get on me. I'm not like that. I'm okay, uh, praise the Lord. But I know quite a few that they feel this, you know, when they get their buddies together, it says time to go to church. So which church you going to is called the mall, right? But guys, you know, you want to be left alone too sometimes. You want to do your own thing. And this is why men have what's called a man cave. That man cave is a place where a man can be themselves. It is a place where a man can be uh, uh, primitively uh, men. So why did the Lord want Elijah to come out of the cave? Why does the Lord want you to come out of isolation? Because out of the cave is a place where we can meet the Lord. In other words, we should feel our closest to Jesus away from all, as they used to say, all the rigmarole. Right? Uh, all the stuff that drive us further from God. Verse 11 uh, tells us Elijah was to leave the cave and to stand on the mount before the Lord. Well, could God have met Elijah in the cave? Uh, let's try that one more time. Could God have met Elijah in the cave? Yes. Absolutely. But getting out of that place of confinement, out of that place of loneliness is where God wants us. He wants us before him. Yet we run into more problems when our expectations exceed what the Lord is trying to do in our life. In other words, we expect more than what the Lord has planned for us. What happens when we expect more than what the plan, what the Lord wants to do? What happens when we expect the wrong things? It may be a good thing, but it's not God's best. So the Lord reveals himself in ways that defy expectation. The Lord reveals himself in ways that defy expectations. So uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 11 again. And he said... Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Huh. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The sound of a low whisper. Another translation says a still, small voice. Now, I'm not sure what Elijah was looking for, but we know that the Lord told him to go out of the cave. Looking at our passage, we see that there are three natural occurrences that, uh, uh, that happen that appear before Elijah to get his attention, but even there, nothing seemed to happen. So first we saw that really strong wind. The Holman Christian Standard Version says, a great and mighty wind was tearing the mountains and was shattering cliffs. But was the Lord in the mighty wind, ripping apart mountains and, and shattering cliffs? And we know the answer is no. Our expectation is that the Lord will be in the biggest and the most awesome jaw-dropping act that we can possibly imagine. But God was not in that wind. And then there was the earthquake. An earthquake. When we think of earthquakes, one of the things that come to mind is the presence of the Lord. We think God causes it and tries to get a message uh, across to people uh, when these natural disasters occur. But after the shearing of the mountain and a terrifying wind comes this earthquake uh, like, the, uh, like God was moving everything, but was God in the earthquake? And the answer is no. Next was the fire. Surely God would be in the fire because recall how, how Moses spoke to the Lord in that burning bush. So God is telling us, remember, God was in that burning bush, but was God in that fire for Elijah? And the answer again was what? No. One thing we can say for sure is that in the wind and the earthquake and the fire, nothing of them basically got Elijah's attention. He just went back to the same. How in the world can a mountain shaking or an earthquake or a fire not get your attention? You see, the Lord had already told Elijah to come out of the cave and we have no reason to think that he didn't obey, yet those natural disasters did not move him. Remember, Elijah wanted the Lord to take his life. Remember that? Uh, just, you know, kill me, God. I'm so sick of this. Kill me. And the winds that tore the mountains and the earthquake and the fire, that, that all played into the narrative that was already in Elijah's heart. In my opinion, we don't see this in Scripture. Elijah said, you know, if there's going to be an earthquake, just let it, you know, just let the earth swallow me up. I don't care. You know, if this mountain's going to fall apart on top of my head, you know what? Go ahead. I don't care. You know, if this fire is going to burn me up, you know what? Go ahead. I don't care. Sometimes you, you become so numb that you just don't care. What happened to you? What happened to you? What happened? 
why would Elijah look for the Lord in those natural disasters when he was hoping for his life to be ended? Maybe they were his solution. Those things could end all of his emotional pain and suffering. So how did the Lord deal with Elijah? We already know that the Lord was heard in a low whisper. The Lord uh, can use the smallest events to make the biggest changes. Like when he used uh, a baby to bring redemption to the whole earth. God can use the smallest things to make the biggest changes on earth. Can you say amen to that? So God says, never despise small things. Again, this uh, low whisper was not that big and exciting and dramatic display of God's power on the earth. It was happened in a way that required the ability to hear the barely perceptible. You ever wonder, I can't hear God, I don't hear God. Someone said, they, they hear God, I don't hear God. But a lot of times we can't hear God because we're looking for him in all the busyness. We're looking for him in all the big things that happen. Uh, you let the World Trade Center uh, be completely destroyed. Oh, God is in that. But when God says, brother, sister, I need for you to obey. Oh, well, that, that's not God. I, I'm not even trying to hear that. But yet, if the roof falls in, right, was God in that? I've told you a story before about uh, uh, performing for an uh, event down in Florida for the McDonald's Corporation. And uh, on this particular day, it's just a thing that's so unforgettable. Again, I tell you again, for those of you who have not heard, heard the story, uh, that we were heading for a rehearsal. And uh, on our way to rehearsal, uh, on our way to rehearsal, someone had gotten sick. So we, got, we made it all the way to the place we were rehearsing. And then they stopped our rehearsal after about an hour and they said the, uh, the CEO of McDonald's had a heart attack and he died. So they canceled us and they sent us back to the hotel. On the way back to the hotel, literally, we're walking to the hotel. So we just hear the news about uh, this guy who just had a heart attack and died, right? We're walking back to the hotel and uh, we get very close to the hotel. And right at the hotel, all of a sudden, there's police presence there, right? A guy had jumped off, which, I forget which floor, floor that it was, he had jumped out of the window onto the pavement and like he was like still there. I'm like, man, is he part of the McDonald's? He wasn't part of McDonald's, it just thing happened. And then the guys around me, they said, what is this about? They knew I was a pastor, I said, what is this about? Is God trying to tell us something? Why God can't tell us like, you know what? You need to strengthen your spiritual life. How come we can't hear him say that? Why does God have to always hit us upside the head with a two by four? Right, right? Okay, well, I get it, right? Guilty. Can you say amen? Guilty. Guilty as charged. You know, sometimes there's some things in life that you know that you know, but you just refuse. Eventually, God's going to get sick and tired of it. God is going to get sick and tired of your disobedience, and he's going to say, okay, uh, you want a two-by-four? Then I'm going to, uh, okay, I'm going to let something knock you upside the head that's going to shake you up, and then maybe you will hear me now because I tried to speak to you. How? In that still, small voice. I tried to speak to you in that low whisper, but yet you ain't trying to hear that. 
Do you hear God? Do you respond to God's whisper? 1 Kings 19, verse 13. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 13. And when Elijah heard it, right, when he heard what? That low whisper. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And we recall that this was not the first time that God had asked, what are you doing here? Right? Because we saw that all the way back in verse 9. What are you doing here, Elijah? That was in verse 9. Now in verse 13, God is asking him a second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? Right? Why did God ask him a second time? Why do you think God asked him a second time? I believe because God was trying to get his attention the first, the second, the third time. He was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he didn't make a change in his life. Eventually, again, I'm telling you, sometimes God, he gets tired of your mess. Sometimes he gets, he gets tired of my mess and eventually says, enough is enough. Enough is enough. But now, Elijah, he responds to God's whisper. Have you gotten out of the cave yet? People who isolate themselves are trying to hide something or trying to hide from something. People who isolate themselves are trying to hide something or they're trying to hide from something. It is a new year, brothers and sisters, and the old has passed away. But have you gotten out of isolation yet? Now in the verse we observe Elijah wrapping his face in a cloak and standing in the entrance of the cave. Elijah may have stepped out to see those natural disasters occurring but decided to go back into the cave. And God is asking again, where are you? Where, why are you here? What are you doing? But now Elijah heard something special and it was God's voice. Isn't that something that we long for? I just want to hear your voice. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what decision I need to make. And all I really, all I really want to hear is your voice just tell me. Do you realize that sometimes that part of the will of God is for you just to make a decision? Sometimes some folks are wrapped up into, I'm trying to wait on God, trying to wait on God. But the problem is God has given you free will. And part of that free will is for you to act on what you know about God for you to make a decision now. So if you're waiting to hear from God and you have not heard from God, your problem is, is that you're just scared to make a decision. You are afraid to make a decision. Because if I do this, who am I going to, and if I do this, so I'm just going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on God. I know they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? We know that. And part of the process is waiting on God. But sometimes God just wants us to just Make a decision, right? Well, God, which, uh, when, I go to, uh, when I go to a restaurant, which drink should I have? Pepsi or should I have Coke or should I have Sprite? God don't care. As a matter of fact, God said, drink some water. 
Leave all that stuff alone. Drink some water, right? It's up to you. So what are you doing here? What? Why are you here? Elijah says in verse 14. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, here, here we go again, we're talking about this last time, right? Uh, Elijah was focused on who? Uh, who was he focused on? He was focused on, he says, I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I'm doing your bidding, God, and I'm out here all by myself, right? Ain't nobody got my back. Well, I guess you got my back. But I'm out here all by myself. It's me. God, don't you see? Is the point of our purpose all about how we feel? Is the point of us existing on this earth all about what we think that we should do? At the end of the day, it is all about the Lord, all about Jesus Christ. Now, I know we see the struggles of Elijah and think of our own personal struggles, but we have one life to live, and that one life we should live only for Jesus Christ. Now, as we track through verses 15 through 18, we see the Lord using other people to accomplish his purpose. In fact, in the midst of this, pretty fascinating that as you read on, you find out that Elijah was even instructed to call and anoint his own successor. Right? So, so, so Elijah was high, and when he finally heard from God, he says, well, one of the first things I need for you to do, I need for you to go call Elisha, and I need for you to call him and anoint him to take your place. Huh. He had to do the job interview for his own replacement. So the signs are now pointing to Elijah's exit from being prophet on the earth. This is a nice story, a nice biblical story about the victories and the struggles of Elijah, but ultimately, again, is about the Lord accomplishing his plan on the earth. Through this, the Lord would be glorified as he continued to warn the nation of Israel about their unfaithfulness to him. He continued to warn even foreign nations and foreign leaders about their disdain for him and their attack of God's people. And he used his prophets, he used Elijah to do it. People that didn't even believe in God. Uh, listen to that. So people that did not believe in God, God used his people to go speak to them. Amen? You hear what I'm saying? People that did not believe in God, that God used his own people to go speak to those who were atheists or believed in other gods. Amen? Here it is. So getting out of the cave for the new year is not about you, amen, but about fulfilling the Lord's purpose on earth. The question is, where are you? Where are you? And are you ready to be used fully by God? Are you willing to take another step out of a place of hiding, even with the world trying to close in on you? Well, you may be called to full-time ministry, or you may be called to minister in 
a secular field of employment, right? I don't know. You and God know. I don't know. God may be calling you as a prophet to speak up in places where you have influence. So God is present even in our limitations. He continued to speak with Elijah even when Elijah doubted his own purpose. God was still interacting with him. You see that? Even though he was in the cave, God was still speaking to him, was he not? Because how did he know to come to the mouth of the cave or come to the front of the cave? God still spoke to him in the cave. What should we do? You already know. Get up, get out of the cave, and listen for the still, small voice of the Lord. And hearing God's voice, we become convinced that he calls us to a higher level of existence in order to proclaim his kingdom to those who have not accepted uh, him, uh, to those who have not embraced his message, and to those who don't know how to live by his kingdom principles. Why are you here? My God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Peter Scazzaro says this. And I quote, the limits and wounds we carry are often the arena in which God demonstrates his power and gives us his gifts in disguise. It is one of the most counterintuitive and difficult truths in scripture to embrace because it flies in the face of our natural tendency to want to be in control and run the world. And yet, it is precisely in these difficult places that God longs to teach us, to provide for us, and reveal himself to us. End quote. What are you doing here? I hope your answer is following the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.